Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Kendall's got a question about Eric Kendall. Holder. Kendall. Yeah, an Eric Holder question? I'm yes. Not ready for yeah, that. it kind of seems to me that Eric Holder and Bannon did exactly the same thing. Did they? Uh, was it no. Holder didn't get charged with this because he was on the side of the Angels or... And they banned as just an evil uh, so, Nazi Republican, or was that, was that the difference? Yeah, yeah. When, he, when he flipped the bird to Congress over Fast and Furious. Right, and he did that in June. Of, he got held in contempt by Congress in June of 2012. Right. And Kendall's saying, well, Eric Holder did that, and Steve Bannon did that. What's the difference in all that? And, Kendall, let me ask you a question. How many documents did Steve Bannon produce for the January 6th committee? Do you know? I believe zero. Right. Do you know how many documents Eric Holder produced in response to subpoenas before he got held in contempt? 8,000. Oh, well, 8, I, I assume that makes a difference. Hey, it does. Uh, hey, hey, let, he me, let me ask Eric Holder. Hey, Eric Holder, how yeah. many documents did you produce? <laughs> it's true. I produced uh, about 8,000 documents. I testified about Fast and Furious about nine times. And here's the interesting thing. We held, withheld documents after a legitimate claim of executive privilege, saying that those documents that I refused to turn over only dealt with deliberative material within the Justice Department, within the executive branch. And guess what? what? When Jeff Sessions became attorney general, he reversed course and released the documents that I withheld. And what did they show? There were nothing but damn deliberative material. That's all. Everything that we said and the reason why we said we would not release them was validated by the action of the of my successor, one of my successors, uh, Jeff Sessions. So you're the guy, whoever is talking about me being the same as Steve Bannon, is full of crap. You can put a dollar in the swear jar if you want. He's full of shit. Okay. All right. Just want to, I, I, I'll put it in for you. How's that? There uh, you go. There you go. Now, let, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's a first. Let's go to um, um, this thing that's got you smoking. Uh, I, I mean, not smoking. You're blowing fire over this. The Republican National Committee. They are in, they, they are advocating that they're going to start training poll workers in four, I understand, four swing states. And these and most of these people are election deniers. Man, what is the danger in that? Yeah, the RNC has aligned itself. The Republican National Committee has aligned itself with this uh, lawyer, Cleta Mitchell, and they're going to come up with ways in which they say they want to try to get 15,000 so-called poll workers, watchers around the country uh, to try to somehow monitor elections. This is what they say. Um, it, this is an effort that is you know, staffed by election deniers. And it seems clear, based on their past conduct, that what they're really trying to do is to put in place people who will, in some ways, muck up the process, intimidate people, and all to try to fight what they call voter fraud, when there's absolutely no proof that there's any kind of consequential voter fraud. And given their past history, where they have tried to stop the transfer of power, where they have tried to deny uh, the, the validity of elections in spite of all of the proof, in spite of all of the court decisions, I, I think we have to be very concerned that a major political party could align itself with a fringe movement like that. As I said in, in, in a book that I wrote, 
The Republicans right now, the iteration of this Republican Party just ain't that into democracy. And so what they're trying to do is to try to guarantee themselves a positive result, even though they might not have um, more votes than, than their opponents. That's what this aim, that's the aim of this whole thing. Now, now, is, is there anything that can be done about it? Well, what we have to do is meet them where they are. Uh, this is not a question of just looking at it and me railing about it on, uh, you know, on a great show like yours. We have got to as have people of our own in those places to counteract what it is that they're doing. And that's why the, the organizations I had, the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, is expanding th- those things that we do. We're still focused on redistricting. It's still the primary concern that we have. But we're also going to be making sure that we do things that are consistent with protecting our democracy. And so we're putting together with our state partners around the country, uh, we're going to start, start recruiting people. People always ask me, what is it that I can do to try to make sure that uh, we save our democracy? Well, now we have a, a really good answer. You know, be a poll watcher, you know, volunteer to, to serve on Election Day um, to make sure that these people on the Republican side, the, the Cleta Mitchell acolytes, somehow don't have the ability uh, to have a negative impact on the accuracy, the fairness of our electoral process. You know, Eric Holder, I got to tell you, as you were talking, I, I'm thinking, boy, what will what will November eighth be like? If you've got um, a stop the steal uh, acolytes working polls and being trained, uh, being trained to work polls, then you've got folk being trained to watch them. Oh man. I mean, help me understand. I mean, what what would that look like? I mean, these folk, I, I, I don't know. You tell me. You know, I'm not sure what it will look like, um, Joe, but I know this. In the absence of some kind of some countermeasures by those of us who favor democracy, they will take our democracy from us. And so, yeah, it might get uh, a little contentious. I don't know what it's going to look like on November, but I know that we can't afford the risk of simply saying, well, they're not going to be effective. They're not going to be serious about this. I mean, here, here's a lesson that people need to learn. Uh, if you look at the early part of the 20th century, we had issues around the demise of democracy there and, and the rise of fascism. And it wasn't because fascism was strong. It was because the defense of democracy was weak. And that doesn't mean we're going to have a dictator here in the United States, but we can lose our democracy if we are not forceful in defending it. And we'll still have elections every two years, four years, six years, but they can be rendered meaningless by these people who are committed to a result as opposed to uh, people who will adhere to a process. Are are you concerned about uh, election workers being intimidated and harassed by uh, uh, Trump people? Absolutely. Um, And and the Justice Department has said that this is going to be a priority for them. You know, to protect people who are engaged. And these are generally just good citizens. They are Republicans. They're Democrats. They're independents. You know, these are folks who simply want to serve their communities by volunteering to help their fellow citizens cast ballots. Justice Department has said this is going to be something they're going to focus on. There's legislation that is pending uh, in in Congress to protect people uh, from harassment who are serving in, in these positions. And I'm very concerned, very concerned about the lengths to which these folks will go on the other side. I mean, if they're willing to deny the fact that Joe Biden is the legitimate president, 
to say that the election was stolen from Donald Trump, why do we think that they would stop at doing almost anything to try to get the result that they want, which is to have their people put in place whether or not they actually won the election? How? Why did you d- title your book? And it's it's out there. And and I gotta tell you, man, I um, boy, I I, I, I it really is a how should I put it a, you know, it's like a combination of a history book, but there's a lot of current events in it. Um, why did you title it "Our Unfinished March"? Because I think what I wanted to get from the book with three sections. Yeah, there's a history of our fight for democracy and the vote. The second section deals with the present issues that we are confronting. And the third part deals with some really concrete solutions about how we can save our democracy. But I called it our unfinished march because this nation from its inception has always talked about being uh, a democracy, has always talked about equality and justice. And we have made moves in that direction. We've never gotten to the place where our founding ideals say we should be, but we've, you know, as people in the past have confronted issues surrounding democracy, they, they, they confronted the issues of their day and they have been successful in making progress. And what we have to do is the same thing in, in, in our time. It is time for our generation to stand up and to fight for democracy. So the, the, the march is an unfinished one. We're not yet at the place where we need to be. But, boy, you can look back our history and see that there have been substantial numbers of people, white, black, males, females, um, fighting for our democracy, marching for our democracy. It's time for this generation to march for democracy. Now, uh, uh, here's a a question I don't think I've ever had. Well, I haven't had an opportunity uh, since you've been on your book tour to ask you this, and I appreciate you coming on uh, this morning. If you are attorney general, would you indict Donald Trump? Well, you know, I don't have access to all the material that um, the current Justice Department has. But I can tell you this. You know, I started my first uh, job at the, I think, called the Public Integrity Section at the Justice Department. Spent 12 years there. I have been involved in a lot of public public corruption uh, matters. Indicted Dan Rostenkowski when I was the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. And you get a feel for these cases as they um, develop. I think that what's going to happen here is that more evidence is going to be elicited. You will see people start to cut deals. Uh, my guess is that by the end of this process, um, you're going to see indictments involving high-level people in the White House. You're going to see indictments against people outside the White House who were advising them with regard to the attempt to steal the election. And I think ultimately you're probably going to see the president, former president of the United States, indicted as well. All right. I'll I'll save this uh, tape. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. It's, um, you know, the Ernest Hemingway was asked, you know, how to people go into bankruptcy and it's 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 similar to the way in which these public um these public corruption investigations proceed it it, it, it he's as he said it, it's gradually and then suddenly yeah and so this has been a gradual thing the january 6th committee has elicited progress more people are starting to come in the justice department has announced it is it is involved it's got grand juries going uh, I expect that you're going to see the pace of this investigation or these investigations start to pick up. The Justice Department, I suspect, goes dark 
um, because of uh, the election, not wanting to interfere with the election in 2022. But you watch the Justice Department uh, in 2023. But I think before that, uh, I expect that I'm going to see something coming out of the um, that prosecutor um, in, in Atlanta. I think that's I think that's the that's the first place that you see something. Oh, so with that, the that's where president. we should we should be focusing on 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 Georgia. I think in terms of I mean, of time, Fulton uh, County, actually, at, in the Atlanta area. Go ahead. Yeah, Fulton County. Yeah, I, I think in, in terms of time, that one is more advanced. The case is, in some ways, you know, less complicated. But you have the former president on tape saying, find me 11,780 votes. Now, you, I don't know. People argue about well, what was his intent. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Put that before a jury. Now, right. You know, not law professors. Here. I mean, you know, you know, they get all tangled up in what intent is. Regular people looking, listening to that tape, looking at the evidence, um, I think will get to an appropriate conclusion. So I, my eyes are on uh, Fulton County first. Look at the Justice Department in 2023. Okay. The book is titled Our Unfinished March by uh, Eric Holder. Uh, and I, I thank you so much for taking the time here to be on the Madison Show. My my love to the family, and thanks for taking the time. All right. You tell your lovely wife that I said hi, and I thank you for your great service, your great show. Uh, you have been a leader in the fight for equality and for justice, not only on this show, but throughout your um, throughout your life. Uh, you're a treasure. I appreciate that, uh, Eric. And, and, and we both are married to Sharon's. So uh, hey, and we both married up. Hey, hey, hey! You know, I, I always remember something you said. They don't like us, but they love our wives, don't they? They surely do. <laughs> Thank they you. They surely do. Thank you, man. All right, we'll talk again. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel One Twenty Six, or anytime on the Sirius XM app.